0: We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created
1: equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And now New Galaxy Broadcasting presents Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition, a program addressing the grave challenges to human and citizen rights in America and the rest of the world. How can we, the people of Earth, take back the power and privileges granted to us by God and address so significantly in the Declaration of Independence? Our rights are inalienable, that is, given by God and incapable of being taken away from or given by another. These rights are the basis of liberty, the foundation of all life and happiness. The Coalition of Planetary Empowerment is an organization designed to give its members tools and information to empower them personally, in relationships and in business and employment, but also to give them a voice and the ability to help transform political and corporate governance to support the true needs and desires of people throughout the world. Inalienable and Free focuses on the need for government and corporate business interests to be responsive to the will and desire of their constituents and consumer shareholders. Good morning, world. My name is Johnny Bluestar, host of Inalienable and Free Voice of the Coalition. I'm joined today with my friend, Donald Newsom, who helps me produce this show every time, and was also the owner of BBS Radio, the station I am privileged to broadcast from, one of the most interesting places anybody could broadcast from. This show is titled Recipe for a Perfect World, A Geopolitical Perspective, Part One, Transitions to Peace. Before we dive into this, um, possibility, but very challenging future uh, in regarding changes of policy for geopolitical governance, I want to discuss spirituality and geopolitics in general, because this show is about the association, potentially, with spirituality and geopolitics, particularly in the area of citizen human rights. As those listening to the show know, we really based our understanding of spirituality and political involvement on the most famous words in the Declaration, which you just heard, but we will say them again. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed with certain inalienable rights and among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We consider those words written by Jefferson not only to be inspired, but aligned by what we call here core spirituality. Core spirituality is experiential. It involves access to a certain level of consciousness that is a step above the ordinary human experience when disconnected from divine awareness, an artist, writer, orator, scientist, etc., can be inspired by thoughts and words coming from this level without having a direct experience of that spiritual level, which I like to call the divine presence. <clears throat> Conversely, the divine presence is not only uh, is not the only level of higher awareness available to men. There are many states of awareness that exceed ordinary mundane consciousness that can lead to quite opposite approaches in behavior. Well, you know, we could be talking about drugs. We could be talking about black magic ceremonies. We could be talking about, um, you know, sort of very highly uh, sensitive, motivational types of feelings and experiences and higher level, uh, you know, higher level of awareness of auras and all kinds of wonderful and exciting things, including certain kinds of human motivation but it's not necessarily the same state that i'm talking about and some of these states may take you off track and that's actually what a lot of cults are about they're about states of awareness which they call of god or of some other name for it, that really are quite deceptive so as a guideline to explain what i mean i will quote from the gospels but not taking the word in a, words in a literal or fundamental sense. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all else will be granted unto you. From the perspective of core spirituality, whose direct meaning is often hidden in various scriptures, not just Christian, but all scriptures potentially, the kingdom of God, which also which Jesus also said is within ourselves, correlates to the presence of God and is fundamentally righteous. So when we say, seek ye first the kingdom of God, we're not necessarily talking about a place, although there may be places. There may be some places that are even called the kingdom of God, but we're talking specifically about the presence of God, which is often called in Hebrew the Shekinah. There's many different words for it, and sometimes these words mean what I'm talking about, and sometimes they don't, but like... Samadhi, or Christ consciousness, or Nirvana—different things. Both the experience of Buddha awareness, Bodhi. Anyway, um, righteous. But let's get into this idea of righteousness. If the presence of God is righteous, what does it mean? To me, it means it, that righteousness means fundamentally good—not in some dewy-eyed, strange, occult meaning, but in a common, ordinary way found in ordinary human experience and generally defined. By conscience. And that concept of conscience bears a close relationship to the commandment, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. So righteousness means goodness inherent in and for yourself, but also to be expected to be transmitted to your neighbor in feeling and in behavior. The key to my point here is that true spirituality, or spirituality that reflects the divine presence, the essential way that the true God of the universe connects with us, is harmonious with and highly synchronized with and totally aligned with that experience. So the experience has embedded in it righteousness. If thoughts, feelings, behavior, consciousness is not aligned with the divine presence, then a person is acting out of the divine presence and is confusing their inner direction with a higher consciousness that is devoid of righteousness. We don't want to do that, but it's very tempting because there's a lot of higher consciousness out there. Let us take the question of borders and sovereignty in our last show. We discussed how people coming to a border, often for asylum or for a greater economic opportunity, may have to be denied entrance into the sovereign nation they are petitioning, presumably because of affecting or depriving the present population of their own well-being. To me, sovereignty is a must. And I've even toyed with the idea of a militarized border, mainly to keep out criminals and terrorists, but also to assure us that our nation is in charge who come of who comes in and who stays out and not log breakers, however needy or perfectly righteous themselves. Now I, I will say that when I think of a militarized border, I do not think of using lethal weapons to uh to to keep certain types of people out, but in case, you know, if there are criminals or terrorists trying to storm in, yeah. But if not non lethal weapons or more more simpler Ways of just getting a hold of people and saying, no, you can't come in. But because I believe in loving my neighbor, the solution of a control border absolutely must take into consideration those who wish entrance or even citizenship, especially those who are in harm's way. To want a control border just to keep people out is to violate our own planetary responsibility, our own human responsibility to our neighbors and to treat them as less than equal than ourselves, a violation of the core assumption of our declaration. When we treat people as less than human, as we did when we separated families in one of the most clear and public crimes against humanity by this administration, we are violating a precept of core spirituality. And whatever higher level divinity we claim to be following, it is not the divine presence. If it were, if it were like the Trump administration's flawed policy, would not only separate families but cynically not document the connection between parents and children so that separation could be permanent and certainly cost each family a tremendous amount of time, money, and anxiety to effect the reunion. Jeffer- Jefferson's phrase says that all men, not just citizens, are equal. So when a person, as in the Trump administration, decides to protect our border by a state-sponsored kidnapping and for, or a false prison of children, they are operating outside of the law of righteousness, outside of God's will, and outside of the realm of true American ideals. That's why you hear people Responding to this thing, uh, you know, in, in, throughout the broadcast I've heard is saying this doesn't feel like America. They have for selfish and prejudicial reasons decided that children of people unlike themselves are not worthy of being protected and can be subject to separation from their families. If we are to have sovereign borders, we simultaneously must have and be able to affect solutions for people who petition us for asylum from unthinkable dangers from which they are fleeing. A tough solution to keep people out without a sense of empathy, compassion, and a sense of justice could never be aligned with the divine presence. It is not out of love. It is out of a false sense of superiority and the ironic use of profound, uh, of pretend spirituality, as Jeff Sessions manifested when he quoted from the Gospels to preach the sanctity of any government policy, is just a further sign of spiritual bankruptcy of this administration. If you are trying to do something to others that you would not do unto yourself, then you're making them unequal to yourself in the eyes of God. And no matter what your metaphysical or spiritual excuse, you're not acting in alignment with righteousness and are outside of the divine presence. We can't always do that. We can't always do what we would like to do, but we can try. But when we do the opposite, I think we're outside. Speaking of making decisions outside of the divine presence, let us contemplate where our most critical geopolitical problem is a continuing possibility of an unthinkable, but very real crisis hardly anyone thinks about. Given the present disruption of harmonious negotiations with North Korea, however small, however large, because we can't tell yet, or the trouble with China with their expansion in Asian waters and the ever-presence imbalance in our relations with Russia, we feel compelled to play this video, sadly titled, Nuclear Winter May Be Closer Than You Think, N69.
2: A nuclear winter is the post-apocalyptic nightmare scientists have warned us about since the 1980s.
3: And most people don't know what nuclear winter is, or
2: they think it was disproven, or they think that the number of weapons is so low, it can't happen, but none of those are true. And the same people who warned us over 30 years ago? Their message hasn't changed.
0: This is truly uh, a civilization-ending event, and it conceivably uh, could lead to the extinction of humans as a species.
2: Here's one way it could go down. North Korea fires an intercontinental ballistic missile. The US retaliates, but due to a miscalculation, Russia's hit. Events snowball, and Russia and the US go to war, deploying the world's two largest nuclear arsenals. Each side strategically drops bombs, killing hundreds of millions of people. Those who remain will experience a sort of climate change on steroids. Massive firestorms, up to a 1,000 times more powerful than the bombs that started them, erupt. DC and Moscow and other major cities burn. And there's so much smoke that it travels across the entire globe and stays trapped in the stratosphere for at least a decade. This blocks out the sun, leading to twilight at noon. Temperatures drop below freezing, even in the summertime. Rainfall is significantly reduced and crop growing seasons shortened dramatically. When you have a
0: failure year after year for plants to be able to grow, eventually the whole
2: ecosystem collapses. Once survivors finish off the roughly two and a half months' worth of global food storage, they face starvation. Ecosystems eventually begin to replace themselves some 20 years later, but we likely won't be around to see it. But back to the Doomsday Clock, that symbol of the rather scary times we're living in. Ever wonder why it was made in the first place? Its creators were actually nuclear scientists who built bombs during World War II. Even they wanted to warn the world of the dangers of nuclear war. The nuclear experts I spoke to scared me pretty badly, but they also reminded me of something pretty important. People power, science, and democracy. They've all turned back the hands on the doomsday clock before.
1: That message coming from American and Russian scientists
0: to Reagan and Gorbachev helped convince them to end the nuclear arms race. So it was very empowering to have science affect policy.
2: Sure, there's no accounting for this guy, especially with the new trillion-dollar nuclear push. Things look bleak. But I believe what the experts have been telling us all along. If we listen to the scientists and exercise our political power, we can make sure the clock never strikes midnight.
0: We've been given the opportunity to save the world. I hope that people will see that and act on it. And if they do, I think the story can have a happy ending.
1: Well, what do you think? What do you think about that, Don? You think that um, that we're on the edge here?
4: You know, I don't really. I, I think uh, we're not on the edge. I think the media kind of makes it look like it. I think things are pretty much on an even keel, except for what the mass media decides to portray. So, well,
1: yeah. you know, uh, you know, um, we're going to get into this more, but uh, it's not just the problem with. Geopolitics—it's a problem with computer systems and mistakes, and there have been a number of serious mistakes, no doubt, so far. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm going to—you know—I was going to say originally I thought, well, I'm going to uh, talk about the real big, you know, how many bombs we have, how many missile bases we have, how many, what kind of weapons they have. Instead, I'm going to just kind of talk about, based on uh, some articles, uh, two different weapons see what you think of these. This first one is called, the Navy has one nuclear missile submarine that could destroy North Korea on its own. (laughs) Wow. Uh, This is by Sebastian Roblin. And um, it says, the New START treaty, which came into effect in 2011, imposes additional limits on the number of deployed nuclear weapons. The current plan is to keep 12 Ohio class subs Active at each time with twenty trident twos each trident two, while two or more boomers, which is what they call these things, remain in overhaul, keeping a total of two hundred and forty missiles active at a time with one thousand ninety warheads between them. That's all of them. Don't worry, restless hawks. that's still enough to destroy the world several times over, nine years after the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki Shiro Hondas. Godzilla, that's the director of Godzilla, depicted a monster awakening from the depths of the ocean to wreak havoc on, havoc on Japanese citizens. A giant fire breathing reptile, however, was less horrifying than what, we've, what was to come. In less than a decade's time, there would be dozens of real undersea beasts capable of destroying multiple cities at a time. I'm referring to, of course, to ballistic missile submarines or boomers in US Navy parlance. Most deadly of the real-life Kaiju, that's these monsters, probably in the ocean today, are the 14 Ohio-class ballistic missile submarines, which carry upwards of half of the United States nuclear arsenal on board. If you do the math, the Ohio-class boats may be the most destructive weapon system created by humankind. Each of the 170-meter-long missiles can carry 24 Trident, to submarine submarine-launched ballistic missiles, SLBMs, which can be fired from underwater to strike at targets more than 7,000 miles away, depending on the load. As the Trident II re-enters the atmosphere at speeds of up to Mach 24, it splits up into eight independent re-entry vehicles, each with a 100 or 475-kiloton nuclear warhead. In short, a full salvo from an Ohio-class submarine, which can be launched in less than one minute unleash up to 192 nuclear warheads to wipe out 24 cities off map. This is a nightmarish weapon of the apocalypse. The closest competitor to the Ohio submarine is is Russia's sole remaining Typhoon-class submarine, a larger vessel with 20 ballistic missile launch tubes. However, China, Russia, India, England, and France all operate Multiple ballistic missile submarines with varying missile armaments, and even a few such submarines would suffice to annihilate the major cities in a developed nation. What possible excuse is there for such monstrous nation-destroying weaponry? The logic of nuclear deterrence, while a first strike might wipe out a country's land-based missiles and nuclear bombs, it's very difficult to track a ballistic missile submarine patrolling quietly in the depths of the ocean. There's little hope of taking them all out in the first strike. Thus, ballistic missile submarines promise the unstoppable hand of nuclear retribution and should deter any sane adversary from attempting a first strike or resorting to nuclear weapons at all. At least that's the hope. As such, the Trident-armed Ohio-class submarines will have succeeded in their mission if they never fire their weapons in anger. The Ohio-class boats entered service in the 1980s as a replacement for five different classes of fleet ballistic missiles, collectively known as the 41 for freedom. Anyway, in the event of a nuclear exchange, a boomer would likely receive its firing orders via very low-frequency radio transmission. While a submarine's missiles are not pre-targeted like those in fixed silos, they can be assigned coordinates quite quickly. The first eight Ohio-class boats were originally built to launch the Trident 1C4, ballistic missile, an advanced version of the earlier Postaline SLBM. However, by now, all the boat boomers are armed with a superior Trident II D5 ballistic missile, which has a 50% greater range and is capable of very accurate strikes, which could enable them to precisely target military installations as a first strike weapon. So what do you think about that as, a, as an interesting weapon?
4: Well, I'll tell you, anything as far as when it comes to some of these weapons, if they're destructive, uh, you know, where they're causing destruction uh, on such a vast scale, like nuclear arms and so on. No, I think they should be wiped out globally. Um, well,
1: I, I, I agree. But, that uh, I think it's interesting. Don't you think it's interesting that Trump, I believe, has sent out... At least two of these these uh, Trident bearing submarines to North Korea, and I think a third was sent also. Right. Now, what in the earth for? Right. Why would I mean? You talk about overkill. You're talking about and and he, and probably he wouldn't need anything else if he wanted to destroy nuclear. So 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 the idea is we'll bring a hundred times more overkill than we need, spending millions of dollars to do it to put around the country that could be destroyed by one of them or or maybe less than one of them because it doesn't even need that that many missiles i mean i i'm right, not talking right
4: this if china yeah. jumps in or somebody you want to be prepared for that so you almost have to bring the big guns to the table or uh, you know you end up you might end up being uh, you know caught in the trap so a
1: tough becoming one. Yeah. becoming russian or chinese toast or <laughs> right. Well, you know, because we are discussing now, we are in in, in the beginning of our discussion of um, recipe for a perfect world, the geopolitical perspective, you somehow hit on the first, the first, exactly the first part we were going to discuss, which is outlaw the doctrine of mutually assured destruction, destroy all weapons of mass destruction at last. So I'm going to include chemical weapons and biochemical weapons in this sort of thing uh what do you think think it's a good idea
4: you know it, it, this is again this is why i believe there should be some form of a uh you know a, a world not government but arbitration panel let's say cuz these things really affect us, affect us all we can see that through fukushima and and some of the other radical issues that we've had uh in our lifetime and um, I can only see things getting worse and worse. It's not like they're smart people, you know, they're not going to build these things. <laughs> I agree on, on right. that.
1: And they're not going to build them How on so fault lines you, and you're so on. Destroy, if you have a war, where you are going to destroy the planet? Right. Well, it's not just
4: that they use them even when they don't use them. You know, these things go wrong. Uh, you, so, I mean, take Russia for Chernobyl and, again, Fukushima. Even when we're not using these technologies, um, they're radical and they're severe. And, um, you know, so something's going to go wrong with or without the war. The unfortunately, I mean, they're also
1: losing. They've lost a bunch of nuclear weapons, too. They, right. Oh, what happened to that one? You know what I mean? That's happened, too. Right, right. Out of planes. And, you know, oh, well, don't worry, we're going to get we'll, we'll find it. <laughs> Uh, but I was really not just talking about the weapons. Really, I was talking about the doctrine, also mutually assured destruction. Yeah,
4: that's a little ridiculous at this stage of the game. I mean, it's it's almost funny. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, I mean, how if I heard this? Unfortunately, I was born the day the atomic bomb exploded, so I never was without the atomic bomb. Right. But uh, I, I imagine if I had heard about this before, and I was lucid uh, old enough before that, I would be amazed how could people be so dumb
4: yeah it's a mystery it is a mystery but then again we don't have the smartest uh, scum rising to the top so you know it always seems to be power hungry fools to be quite honest power hungry fools and they don't give a damn what it costs to get them their power and
1: to the people the people be damned and we are we would, we would certainly need and I'm going to add these other aspects to it and see your opinion on those. We would have to have a policing force to thoroughly investigate the continued creation and deployment of such weapons. So you would actually have to keep that technology, at least in the, from a research standpoint, alive in some way. You'd have to be able to. You couldn't. You couldn't say, oh, "Okay, they're going to go into the uh, now very, you know, possibly uh, public, almost public uh, archives of Iran and find out how to do it." You know, uh, so you'd actually have to have inspection continuing forever, right?
4: well, until we have such a global assembly where we have that kind of equality across the board in some respects, we're mad is really could be possibly the only thing um holding it all together so before,
1: well i I understand that right, I, yeah and actually the that's a real uh, complex discussion right. but i i do agree that that uh that it would be foolhardly foolhardy for one country to you know disarm like that especially the
4: united states yeah the united states so, or even to be quite honest israel <laughs> right it'd be foolish for them to give it all up same uh, with us i
1: think that would be It's hard for them as for us because they definitely have the mind of liking what they have
4: well, wow, and,
1: <laughs> and then uh, the other thing is that I think is really interesting and was something I've actually written about in a, in, a sc- in a screenplay in a novel that I'm working on. It's to evolve more defensive weapons whose goal is not to kill or maim but to emphasize capture. I like to put it this way. In the beginning of the 20th century, we did have solar energy, right? Remember? At the beginning. We, it is not that new. But we decided to go into into other areas of, uh, of, um, you know, of energy production, right? And the ones that we knew, knew even back then, that there was a problem with oil, right? So um, that technology went on because of money and because of just certain, there were certain parameters that kept that that. That protection of uh, of petroleum as a main source of as a main source of energy going and but we had a choice i say that we also had a choice with weaponry uh, a lot of our weapons are you know they're ballistic weapons and even uh, you could almost say a bow and arrow are they they, they can either kill or maim but there's probably was a choice that we could have used other kinds of weapons that more or less paralyzed temporarily or put people to sleep or in some way encumber them without having to kill or maim them. I say that we should we should evolve more of these defensive weapons. I mean, so many people are killed by the police by by almost by accident, or they they're really injured and they haven't done anything that quite that bad. You see what I mean? Uh, so anyway, that's the um, that's what I meant. Uh, and we're going to, when we, when we get a chance, we'd like to play uh, something uh, that is a little more promising, uh, N-70.
5: It's The Real News. I'm Aaron Matte. The United Nations has moved a step closer in the goal for a nuclear-free world. On Friday, the General Assembly approved the first ever global treaty to ban nuclear weapons.
2: This is a historic moment for the international community. This is the um, first multilateral nuclear disarmament treaty to be concluded in more than 20 years.
5: 122 nations voted in favor. Countries can start signing the treaty when the UN General Assembly meets in September. But there's one big obstacle. All nine nuclear powers, the U.S., Russia, Britain, China, France, India, Pakistan, North Korea, and Israel, opposed the treaty, and boycotted the proceedings. I'm joined by two guests. Ira Helfand is co-founder of Physicians for Social Responsibility, and Rick Wayman is director of programs and operations at the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Thanks. I'll Ira, I'll start with you. Uh, you were involved in this long process to get this treaty going. Uh, your reaction to its passage after such a long period of work on it? Well,
0: I think this is truly an historic uh, treaty that provides a real impetus to moving forward now towards the actual abolition of nuclear weapons. Uh, as you pointed out, the nuclear weapons states, the nuclear armed states, did not participate in this process, and that's been the whole problem. <laughs> they have not wanted to honor their obligations under previous treaties, the Non-Proliferation Treaty, to eliminate their nuclear arsenals. And the rest of the world has finally lost patience. You know. Concerned by the overwhelming medical evidence that even a very limited nuclear war would be a worldwide catastrophe, the rest of the international community has issued, I think, a real challenge, saying that they will no longer accept a situation in which nine countries hold the entire world, including their own people, hostage to these terribly dangerous nuclear arsenals.
5: Ira, it's interesting you mentioned the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, because the argument that I've heard from the U.S. and other nuclear powers is that we need to strengthen the NPT, that that's the answer. That's why we don't need this new ban.
0: Well, the NPT specifically calls on all nations to negotiate further agreements to eliminate nuclear weapons. And so this treaty is fully consistent with the mandate of the Non-Proliferation Treaty. And the United States, if it were serious about its obligations to negotiate the abolition of nuclear weapons would have joined this process. The problem is that the United States and the other nuclear weapon states do not want to do that. They all intend to hold onto the nuclear arsenals as long as they possibly can. And this is a profoundly dangerous, reckless policy that they are pursuing. And we need to see a fundamental change in that policy, away from the idea that nuclear weapons in somehow, in some way, enhance national security. We need to understand, rather, that these weapons are the primary threat to national and world security, and that the world will only be safe, the people of the world will only be safe when these weapons are actually abolished and and dismantled.
1: Um, That's pretty much uh, what I think we we both think. But the question is how to do it. And we're going to look at that in a little while. But meanwhile, um, I'm going to look at another another little weapon. Since we talked about the uh, American weapon, let's look at a Russian weapon. Um, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced that 14 military units across the country will receive an upgrade to their nuclear capable forces by the end of the year. And what he's done is he's trying to uh, replace the Tuple rocket complex with the newest Yars. And what he said was, over the last few years, we've done a lot for the strengthening of the armed forces. And according to the state armament program this year, we'll continue to place the the topo rocket complexes that are completing the service life of the newest YARs. The YARs is a recent multiple warhead version of the road mobile topo intercontinental ballistic missiles that can be stored in silo as well as on a vehicle, according to a Jane's 360, which is a defense Um, publication. Its introduction to service has been gradual since 2010 as Moscow looks to revamp the ICBM arsenal that currently has five different kinds of missiles in operation. Besides missiles, Russia will bolster the aviation aspect of its nuclear triad this year as Putin announced that, quote, modernized missile-carrying bombers Tu-95MS and Tu-160 armed with modern cruise missiles uh, Kh-101 and Kh-102 would have to be introduced. Putin also urged defense officials to begin work on a new S-500 anti-missile system that can target super high altitudes, including near the Earth space. Putin himself took the unusual step of dedicating the latter half of his pre-election State of the Union of addressed to a presentation of arms, including the much anticipated Sarmat II heavy ICBM. Russian state media channels have hyped the prospective missile by noting its destructive capabilities to European countries or U.S. states, which could be devastated by a hit. Animated footage that Putin used during the presentation appeared to show warheads dropping on Florida." Well, you know, I, I remember that, um, that North Korea was using that type of, uh, sort of animation to, uh, drop bombs on, uh, I believe it was on Los Angeles. So you see, we're not the only ones doing this, right, Don?
4: Well, that's true. We're not the only ones doing it. I mean, we're trying to get more and more it. innovative, right? Right. Right.
1: So here, here's what I said in, in, in terms of what we, we might do. Uh, Now you at one point said you wanted to create a a sort of a council. I, I, I'm not sure about that idea. I think it does have to. There has to be a government because you're dealing with a lot of other governments, and these governments. uh, It's very complex to make decisions in these governments, and I think you have to have sort of a democracy, a real democracy-oriented government. a, A completely different. I mean, the United Nations is extremely flawed now. Uh, because everything in all these and na- so many of these nations is corrupt anyway, so you would expect if you, the, they all get together, they'll sit around the Security Council and veto veto things and suggest things that are really. Uh, and then you know, in other words, the whole machinery of the United Nations, I think, would have to be restructured. But so I right. say here: reform right. the United Nations to create a new world government that outlaws weapons of mass destruction and creates a working plan for total nuclear disarmament. Helps attract... Yeah, go ahead. The world
4: government, if they were to come out and say, look, we're going to stop, you know, we're going to make sure MAD's gone and we're globally denuclearized, blah, 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 uh, that might be a boon for them if they tried that one. I mean, uh, you you make a lot of sense. You do, when you start saying that, you know, it's going to need some form of a... Uh, more rigid government structure in order to to work with these uh, uh, countries, you might be right. You, you might we very well get, be we, right. We have man.
1: to get rid of the... Heck. We actually... actually of most of these countries, we have to get a completely different type of leader because these leaders go... I, I, I like to think of it in this way, Don. You have two competing groups here. You have a global... Kind of a, a global... Autocracy uh, this you you have this idea of having a world government that totally controls all its citizens, controls all the money all the uh, all the interactions completely tracks them as is being done right now, but you have this on a global scale and it's world government and there may even be a depopulation agenda in it <laughs> that's one of them and the other is to have a uh, to have an empire. And I think if I look at empires, I think that Russia wants one. That's my personal opinion, uh, quite possibly. And I think the United States wants one. And, um, yeah, I think probably oh, they also China, want a little balance. Does, I,
4: I honestly sorry. believe that. That's why uh, I think these some of these more wealthy people realize that there needs to be some form of uniformity in in destructive capabilities uh, in the hands of several, in order to make sure that uh, MAD works, and of course, because they believe in MAD, they use it, and so their mindset must be of a similar vein, right? So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you're going to need a total. You are going to need a ground-based uh, um, city, uh, uh, world citizenry who are organized and effective enough to. To gain control over most of these countries and have leadership that's truly democratic and truly righteous. Right. That's why I don't
4: mind America empire building. I've never, I've never hated that fact. I think if someone's going to be the um, uh, the global leader in a in a f- more free enterprise type system, I think the U.S. And the Constitution that we set out and that many countries around the globe are emulating in one way or another, uh, I think, is the right way to go.
1: Well, you see, empire building means stealing other people's resources, controlling their citizens, controlling their governments. Uh, it means uh, reducing a lot of people. Uh, you Up know, to it's always point, a, right. It's always a pyramid structure. Well, just look at the catastrophe in all these countries that are, that are struggling because of what... America did as building its so-called empire. I disagree with that point of view. I think when you think about empire, you're already saying to yourself, not person, but American citizens are better than everyone else. They deserve to get all the marbles. I tend to believe
4: that's not true, but I do believe our rules, our legal system, and our constitution is better, and has established that basic, or the basics for the world. So yes, uh, I'm afraid to say that
1: our constitution has been totally undermined. Well, Just that's the people thing. once again. That's the well, people. Well, uh, it's not the people; it's the government. The government well, well, yeah. started the massive surveillance of uh, wireless surveillance of individual citizens was done in secret.
4: Right, and but that has it, nothing to do with the constitution. That's more bad well, people it's doing a, it's bad a direct things. things with too much power. It's
1: a direct, no, it's a direct violation of the constitution. Right if the constitution and the and the vision of the world fathers were was accurate we would never be building an empire that was completely against the idea we we were not supposed to be have quote as washington said foreign entanglements as soon as you start to say we're going to declare war against a country that hasn't done anything because we want its resources or we're going to trick them into enormous debt which is what the you know the typical situation has been uh, and, and have an empire controlled by a puppet. How can you possibly say that's good? When, when all the time that that happens, the, the very wealthy corporations and people in the country have benefited to the absolutely despair and destruction of, of the lower class people. Well, that's because
4: fascism has moved in, corporate fascism. and um... Corporate
1: fascism has always been in... Look, when you come into a country like the United States from Great Britain, and you destroy so many indigenous people. Sometimes, yeah, they were, they were a little bit annoyed that you were, you were coming after the land, but sometimes you just got very proactive and destroyed their, their whole culture. That, that was the beginning of the American empire. And, and that was just a, that was just a, a, a sort of a se- sequential, uh, you know, uh, uh, sh- shall we say, um, replication of what the British did. And British did the same thing. And I cannot say, looking at, at the countries that we've, whose kind of governments we've destroyed, like Iran, where we came in, where uh, Theodore Roosevelt's grandson came in and covertly started all these problems and pretended, did things that put Mossadegh in jail and destroyed the only uh, democratic uh, government that ever really existed in, in, in uh, Iran. And that was the beginning. And that was just, you know, that was one of the more, uh public uh, now publicly now known operations of the c i a in the beginning, but uh, that, this is what we do. We go into countries and we 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 rape those countries and we we take away their resources we make and when they get into debt, we make terrible bargains with them so we can have all their assets no
4: doubt the way we go about
1: empire building is is strange indeed yep yeah. yeah look through spreading you know Thomas Paine wanted to spread oh. the word. About democracy, but I don't think his idea was to take over countries. It was to inject into countries, which is what I believe in—the idea of the democratic ideals. First, by being an example. Second of all, by helping helping people. Well, if there build needed
4: their... to be a world government. Why couldn't it be? Why couldn't it be established right here in the United States?
1: No, because it's 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 everybody is equal. They all have rights. They all have sovereign. They all have their rights to their sovereignty, just like the United States does. I thought right. we But I think
4: world government can achieve that. I, it can achieve that. But if we're going to have a new world order, I would much rather it come out of the United States than anywhere else.
1: It shouldn't be. <laughs> it should, yeah, but it shouldn't be coming. The United States is totally corrupted right now. And it shouldn't be coming out of the United States because that's not how. Where else could it come out of? The world order needs to be formed by the people, for the people of those countries coming together.
4: Yeah, that's a tall uh, order. A it's a tall order.
1: order now because what we have is is basically a country that's dissolving into into a uh, uh, a dictatorship. Just the fact that the the the, the uh, Fourth Amendment is being ignored. See, I, I don't are-
4: see that particularly. I see I see um, you know some infighting between the different camps, but I think uh, our current administration, although a lot of lies, and a lot of bullshit is out there. I still feel that um, our current administration is doing the best they can with what they got and trying to put everything back on an even keel no, no, prior to no, these current, no. uh, the, uh, the past administrations. Well, if once- you
1: look at if you look at exactly what they're doing in every single area, whether it's uh, destroying the, the all the functions of the EPA or are going to taking away ne- never trying to get rid of mass surveillance. Uh, but definitely having these tax cuts that really don't ha- help the lower class people, and more or less, and, and the taking, trying to get a get taking away welfare benefits. Uh, how can you possibly think they're doing anything good for this country at all? Except for, I mean, they're taking people from Goldman Sachs and bringing them right in. Or we'll clean the swamp with the people who, who mess up the swamp with people like Pruitt, DeVos. Right, the people, revolving doors. I
4: understand. Of, yeah,
1: yeah, and you, you you're t- looking at. The departments you're talking about who's it, who's who's in the um the cabinet every single person in the cabinet has a has an organization which they've come against practically all of them, and the ones that are in charge of the Treasury and all these other things are coming from you know the the conventionals i mean the handwriting is on the wall it's just completely opposite of what of the best things that he promised the worst things that he's promised. Are definitely he's tried to do, and the, these ridiculous uh, uh, ba- travel bans now, uh, the ridiculous way he's tr- separating families in itself. Don't you think that's a that's a crime against humanity to to take people away from their children and not even know where they're going? If one person did that in the United States to another person, they they could be executed. That's right. a crime.
4: But I still, I still believe that was in large part because of previous administrations no, no and now no it needs wasn't. to it be was, clarified. It was
1: definitely his choice. There was no law that made him do that separation, although he pretended when he signed that executive order. Before that, he said very clearly in his tweets and all and in public that, oh, no, it's the Democrats part. No, the Democrats did have some laws there that weren't good, but there was nothing like this. Otherwise, there would have been an outcry like there is now. I mean, and the man has like what there's maybe 16 women who he's who he's uh, who claiming he's he's, uh, you know, advanced made had sex with him and blah, 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 blah. And he's paying. What What kind of a person is this? I don't see how you can actually justify the things that he's doing. I would like to because I I sort of thought, except for the fact that he insults people all the time. I thought that maybe there. Were, I certainly thought there was something about the TP, you know, the Trans-Pacific. Well, you know, is he, my
4: whole thing with Trump was I didn't want a man in there to solve all the problems. I wanted a ass kicker in there to drain the swamp.
1: He didn't drain and, the swamp.
4: Well, the swamp is completely uh, you're worse. Right,
1: you're right. It's it it is. I'm, I'm a, trying to it's convert you, man. I'm trying to convert you because you know what? Here's the thing. You have a sense of righteousness, but it is. I'm just going to be honest with you. It is more, I would like very much to say, oh, let's get rid of Trump and so we can have the Democrats. But I can't say that. I might say that if the progressive Democrats got in, like Bernie Sanders, but if it's a choice between Hillary Clinton coming in, who is I feel in many ways is a warmonger, uh and ter- terrifically corrupt with the with the uh, Trump with uh, her own found- the Clinton Foundation, I would say fine, but I, so I I I I can't say that they're better or worse, but they are both terrible examples. And so it would be much better to to feel comfortable like you do and believe in one. But then when all the facts are right in front of you, I think you should rethink that because it's very important that we put our our efforts into something else which is to building uh, an informed citizenry, which has never really existed. <laughs> you, see, well, my, you know, I, I hear you, but I you would rather You want it to be get... true, don't you? You want it to be true. But e- well, every time I'm happy
4: you, with the way things simple. are going. I believe it's true. And I would like to get back to a more conservative Republican platform. I, I've always enjoyed it in the past. And I think that kind of uh, mindset in, in government will put us more on an even keel. I truly do.
1: Well, I would say that a conservative Republican government, which I do not believe in, and I don't believe in the opposite either, so uh, it, it would put us on a better keel than what we have now, because we don't have a conservative. We have a basically a a racist, anti. I don't,
4: believe, uh, I don't see that at all. I see that as being what the media has been hyping up, and everybody no, seems to an jump an, on no, that line. No, no,
1: media has not been hyping that. His actions have been hyping that. Yeah, he, I don't
4: see it, and I'm pretty voracious. Well, I mean, I, well, you, I he, haven't he, seen he's just, that. You don't, uh, you don't, uh, in don't the want president. to look
1: at the fact that he wants to keep out all these people in the country. Well, he's well that's very because bad he wants he to
4: safeguard bad. and secure the safety of the American people. No,
1: I mean you know there is a truth to securing the border i do agree with that as i just said i you know in this little discussion we had i do believe that maybe the border should even be militarized we should really keep people out and make sure they come in the right way as long as we don't you know hurt anybody uh except the the criminals who are trying to get in i agree with that but that's that's the way to do it not not to turn people away and and if they come in step here separate them from their families and steal their children you must have some sense of that—the horror of that.
4: Oh yeah, no, I hear you. I you do. had,
1: you had, you were brought up like I was by responsible people and loving people who cared about you. But uh, but when you have somebody fling for their life, traveling a thousand miles under horrible conditions, you know, yeah, I um. Uh, so anyway. That's what I have to say. <laughs> well, we'll we'll try and uh, we're going to have to go back into this later. I mean, there's going to be uh, so much to discuss, and um, perhaps we could um, uh, just say that in trying to change in trying to change the world, there's a lot of things that we have to do. But right now, you know, time is running out, and uh, what we what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to say goodbye. Let me let me tell you that uh, before we formally say goodbye, um, we're going to at the end of at the end of this, we are going to play um, a really interesting song. Uh, version by Patricia Welch of La Vie en Rose that was originally written by Edith Piaf. But before that, we will play INF Girl 2 and then we'll play that song and say goodbye. Thanks for joining Don Newsom and I on Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition. As we go about developing our new organization, the Coalition for Planetary Empowerment, we hope you will consider the importance of taking part in the electoral processes of your government and asserting the rights you have to vote for the companies you respect and love by casting your ballot as a shareholder or as a consumer with what you buy. We hope soon to make this possible through a social network responsive to your needs to dialogue about your rights as a citizen, but also to be able to effectively act in concert with like-minded colleagues who find representatives of government and business executives We'll hear your voice and appreciate your message. See you soon.
3: qui font baisser la mire, arrière qui souperçait sa bouche. Voilà la porte qui semble touche de la maquillage gigantesque. Voilà, vie en rose. Il me dit des mots d'amour, des mots de tout l'argent et s'en fait quelque chose. Il est entré dans mon cœur où n'est pas de bonheur. J'ai cogné la cause Il a pour moi Ma pluie dans la vie Et la mélodie L'enjouerait pas la vie Et dès que je l'aperçois Alors Je sens en moi mon cœur qui bat. a place, on a mori. Quand il ses il m'est pas là bas, la viande. Des mots des tous les gens et sans faire quelque chose, il est entré dans mon cœur où n'est pas de bonheur dans j'ai connu.